You are listening to the Grace Covenant Cornelius Podcast. Well, good morning. Great to be back with you today. This time last week, I was actually in the Holy Land. As y'all were talking about Gideon's Spring, I was actually there drinking from the spring. Quite amazing. We had a phenomenal time. I had about 47 folks from our Grace Covenant family who had an, an unbelievable worship experience in the Holy Land. We were out on the Sea of Galilee. If you can imagine being out on the Sea of Galilee with a guitar and having a worship service, it happened. It was amazing. Many of the sites where Jesus uh, performed miracles, we were able to go to those sites. We walked the Via Della Rosa. We had communion and worship in the garden, and I had a chance to peek in the tomb, and I can tell you it's still empty, if you're wondering. Yeah. It was a great trip. I would encourage you, if you would ever think about going in 2021, I'm going back. Because uh, I'm just committed to uh, leading folks to an encounter that will change your life, a, a discipleship encounter. So uh, that would be something that would interest you. would love to take you with me to the Holy Land. Well, before we jump into the Word this morning, I'm certain if you've been watching the news, uh, you would be aware of a panic that's happening specifically the country of China, but beyond China to uh, some of the other surrounding nations and even concern here in the States. I got an email early this morning from our missionary, Rebecca Davis, in, in uh, Myanmar, and she assured me that she was uh, well uh, and that there's not quite the panic there in the country. But this uh, coronavirus has taken already uh, over 200 lives, hundreds of people ill with it. And I thought the appropriate response would be for us to pray this one. So I've asked one of our elders, Brent Royce, to come and to lead us as a congregation in a time of intercession. You know, the scripture says that, uh, that God's house would be a house of prayer. And I think it's times like these that we call upon the God who is able uh, to bring intervention. So I would ask that you would just join us as Brent leads us in this time of intercession. Father God, we, we come to you this morning and, and we lift up, uh, first of all, the people in China who are uh, directly in that, that epicenter of, of where the virus is at, Lord. And Father, I'm sure that there is, is fear and anxiety and panic in that, in that part of China, Lord. I, and I pray that, that you would just be with, with the people there who are, yes. who are infected or who are, who are afraid of being infected. Lord, we know that there is no fear in you. And, and Lord, I pray that, um, uh, that your word would spread in, in that area, Lord, that, that you would be glorified in, in this, um, in this uh, challenging time for them. Lord, I pray for, for healing for those that are infected. I pray, dear God, that, that what the enemy has taken uh, for our harm, Lord, that it would bring you glory. Yes. Lord, that there would be healing and miracles and, and, and we, you, you would just be magnified, Lord, in this. And Lord, I pray for those um, who may be concerned about it spreading to the states and, and other parts of the world, Lord. I pray that we just put our, our focus on you. We, we, we have confidence in you, Lord, and we know that, that you're our healer, you're our protector, uh, Father. And, and we celebrate that, that knowing that what the enemy has, has brought for our, for our harm, that you will be glorified. You yes. are able, and, and we just glorify you now in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Thank you, Brent. 
But if you have your Bibles, look with me, if you would, to 2 Corinthians chapter 9. Toward the end of the New Testament, there's some sermon notes there if you, if you want to follow along. This morning, I want to talk with you about the concept of outrageous living. I think if you were to survey, let's say, 100 people and ask them, would you like to live an outrageously fun life or an outrageously miserable life? I believe that 100% would say they want to live an outrageously fun life. You agree with that? My bad. Let's do just to prove my point. Let's do a quick survey here this morning. You have two options: outrageously fun or outrageously miserable. Okay, you can only choose one. And many of you would say that you, if your preference would be to live an outrageously fun life, yeah, even in the balcony. So here's the second. How many of you would say, you know, I, I just want to live a, an outrageously miserable life? That's what I thought. A hundred percent. If our preference, that's what we would choose, to live an outrageously fun life. Now, to discover this outrageously fun life, obviously Jesus has to be a part of the equation. I would say this. You cannot get to an outrageously fun life, um, an outrageously joy-filled life without Jesus. John 10.10, Jesus said these words, I came... So that, so that they can have real and eternal life, more and better life than they ever dreamed of. But beyond knowing Jesus as your Savior and living for Him, there's actions that I believe we can take to discover and experience outrageous living. I don't think you like accidentally fall into outrageous living. I don't think you're going to kind of like, you know, one day wake up and it snuck up behind you and surprised you and all of a sudden you're there. No, I happen to believe that outrageous living requires some intentionality. In other words, you have to have a plan as to how you're going to get there. And one of the critical actions that we can take to experience outrageous living is, is by giving generously, living generously in our lives. And what I've discovered from my own life and from observing the lives of others, that those who choose to live generously, they simply have more fun in life. And those who choose to live miserably experience more misery in their lives. Like There's plenty of evidence to prove this in the Bible, but even if we, we were not to look at the Bible, I mean, from Genesis to Revelation, it's really a story of a God who is generous. A God who desires to bring blessing. But if we were to take the Bible away and, and just say, hey, let's just look at the facts as we see them uh, in our world today, I think we would discover that people who uh, behave in a, in a miserly, greedy way are more miserable in their lives. I mean, there's a reason Ebenezer Scrooge is like no one's role model, right? Like, who wants to be like that? There's a reason so many lottery winners talk about how their winning ticket ruined their lives and how it like totally changed the, the dynamic of their family relationships. There's a reason so many families are divided when they have to sort out a wealthy relative's will. Greed and selfishness cultivate anger, bitterness, and depression. And here it is simply, folks. A stingy heart ends up empty, but a generous heart and generous life Ends up full. So if you want to discover outrageous living, it's connected to outrageous giving. Not just giving away what you, what you don't want or need, but embracing generosity as a lifestyle. Not just that we're giving something, but no, this is how we process life. In a generous way. There's a story, story of a mother who was trying to teach her children about living generously and about caring for others, kind of having an others 
mentality and mindset. So she appealed to her children about orphan care and caring for orphans. She said to her children, you know, these, these poor orphan children, they don't have a mother, they don't have a father, they don't have aunts or uncles. Would, would you children like to give them something? The children discussed this among themselves, kind of huddled up and had their little discussion. Then they announced to their mom, let's give them Aunt Martha. (laughs) For some reason, they didn't want Aunt Martha, right? Well, generosity is not about giving away what we don't want or need. But it's about choosing to live life in a way that you're generous, not just with your money. Oftentimes when we think about generosity, we quickly go to money. But it's so much bigger than that. It's about living generous with your life. It's that which opens our lives to God's blessing. See, what we must understand is that our God is a God of blessing. He desires to bless us in our lives. If you go all the way back to the beginning with Adam and Eve, you'll discover that God blessed Adam and Eve. Like before the original sin, there was the original blessing. Oftentimes we quickly jump to the original sin, but before the original sin, there was the original blessing. In Genesis 1.28, the scripture says, God blessed them, being Adam and Eve, and said, Be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and govern it. Reign over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and all the animals that scurry along the way. So God blessed Adam and Eve. A blessing is God's default setting, his first and foremost reflex. If you don't believe that that's true, then you end up doubting God's goodness. See, I'm confident that God wants to bless you beyond your ability to even ask or imagine. Simply stated, folks, our God is in in, in the blessing business. But what we must understand, and this is critical, because oftentimes this is where people get, um, they they get in error as it relates to theology. There's there's um, There's a doctrine that's become popular presently that I think is way off base. We call it the prosperity gospel. And the prosperity gospel is basically, you know, God just wants to bless you with more. You know, sow your seed, you're going to get the new Cadillac. Sow your seed, you're going to get the house on the lake. Um, and, and they take what I believe is a, is a truth in God's word that our God desires to bless us, and they take it to an unhealthy place, and they make it all about them. Uh, and I think what we need to understand is that our God is a God of blessing, but he doesn't bless us so we can have more. He blesses us so that we can get more. That's the difference. If you make it about you, then you're going to distort the truth of God's word and you're going to end up in an unhealthy place as it relates to doctrine. God doesn't bless us to raise our standard of living. God blesses us to raise our standard of giving. He blesses us so we can give more. He doesn't bless us so we can indulge ourselves and spoil our children. In the words of Winston Churchill, I love this statement. He says, we make a living by what we get, but we make a life by what we give. So simply, simply put, we are blessed to be a blessing. We're blessed to bless others. The way we experience greater blessing in our lives, get this, is by flipping the blessing. To take that what God's blessed us with and we flip it. And in that and through that, we bless others. And, and then we discover this whole concept of outrageous living. Corey Ten Boom, and I put this quote in your notes. I love this statement. Corey Ten Boom said, The measure of a life is, it's not, is not its duration, but its donation. What matters is not how long you live, but what you do with your life while you're on this earth. And the way we discover more life in the time we have on this earth is by developing an attitude, a mentality, a mindset of generosity. 
Again, it's, it's like this is how we do life, how we process life. We choose to live generously and we open our lives to God's provision, God's provision flowing through us. In an interesting passage of Scripture, Second Chronicles chapter 16, verse 9, that says this, The eyes of the Lord range throughout the earth to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to Him. My understanding of that verse is this, The eyes of the Lord are ranging throughout the Lake Norman community, and He's looking for individuals that He can flow His blessing to. That he can flow his blessing through. He's looking for those that he can bring his goodness evident in their lives. And that he can use them to further his kingdom purposes. So generosity at its core is a lifestyle. It's a lifestyle in which we share all that we have, all that we are, and all that we'll ever become. As a demonstration of God's love and as a response to his grace. And that's exactly what the early believers did in an area called Macedonia. The Apostle Paul actually uses them as an example for us today, speaking of their generosity. Now what's interesting about the Macedonian believers, and their story is actually in chapter 8 and chapter 9, but what's interesting about the Macedonian believers is they were not like a bunch of rich folks. They were not like a group of people who had an abundance and out of their abundance they were giving. No, the scripture actually says that they were living in poverty and they were experiencing extreme persecution. Matter of fact, before we get to chapter 9, look to chapter 8, verse 2. This is how it reads. Out of their most severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. Paul says, for I testify that they gave as much as they were able and even beyond their ability entirely on their own. And what's interesting for the Macedonian believers is they chose to give generously and live generously. They discovered this overflowing joy. They discovered this outrageous living. And so from their example, the Apostle Paul wrote these words that we find in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, our text for the morning, beginning with verse 6. It's on the screen. If you have your Bibles, you can follow along. Paul says, remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each man should give what he's decided in his heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion. For God loves a cheerful giver. Notice verse 8. And God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. As is written, he has scattered abroad his gifts to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. Notice verse 11. You will be made rich in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. If you have your own Bibles, I would invite you to underline that little phrase. It's significant. Verse 11, so that. You will be made rich in every way so that, notice, you can be generous on every occasion. 
So we're made rich, so what? So that we can be a blessing to others. That's what Paul's saying here. And as we learn to flip the blessing, we discover and experience greater blessing so that we can then be a greater blessing. This is what I call the cycle of outrageous living, and it's discovered through outrageous giving. So how do we get to outrageous living? I believe it's through outrageous giving. But to be an outrageous giver... You have to embrace and understand a few simple biblical principles about stewardship. And if you don't understand these biblical principles about stewardship, you're always going to struggle with generosity. You'll always be in a place where it's difficult for you to live generous. So let me give you quickly three biblical principles about stewardship. Here's the first one. God is the owner of everything. He owns it all. Psalm 24 verse 1 reads like this. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. Not some of the things in it, but notice everything in it. The world and all who live in it. So what? God is the owner and we're simply managing his goods for a limited period of time. Now, if you think that you're the owner, then the tendency is, is you want to cling to what you have. But if we truly come to understand that it's really not ours anyway, we're just managing God's stuff, then it frees us to live generously. How many of you know it's a whole lot easier to give somebody else's stuff away? Right? You open up your wallet. I don't have a problem emptying your wallet to give it to someone else. It won't bother me at all. Why? Because it's not mine. In the same way, when we come to understand that the Lord really owns it all, then it frees us to live generous. Now, I... I don't know if if you realize this, but when you were born, I wasn't there. But when you were born, you came into this world with nothing. It's not like you were born with a wallet full of money. No, you came into this world basically with nothing. To be quite honest, you were naked, right? You, you, You didn't even have clothes on. Imagine that. So you came into the world with nothing. And when you leave, when you exit this world, whenever that is, you're going to take nothing with you. That's why you never see like a U-Haul following a hearse, right? Why? Because you don't take it with you. So if you had nothing when you came and you take nothing when you leave, then you really never owned it, right? No, God owns it all. We're simply managing, we're stewarding his goods. So turn to your neighbor and say, hey, you're managing God's stuff. Go ahead and tell him. Here's a second principle concerning stewardship. It's this. What we have has been given to us by God. What we have, what you have, whether a little or a lot, and they would be different in the room for all of us, whether you have a little or a lot, whatever you have has been given to you by God. James 1.17 says this. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of heavenly lights. So it's God who has blessed us. It's God who has resourced us with what we have. Now, you may be thinking this morning, but Pastor, I worked hard for it. I earned it, right? And possibly, possibly you did. But but let me ask you this question. Who gave you the ability to earn it? Who put you in the right place at the right time that you might be able to take advantage of that opportunity that's brought you to whatever you have? Do you think it's just luck? Well, I just happened to. No. 
What you have, God's blessed you with. He's blessed you for this reason. He's blessed you so that you can be a blessing. God is our source. Here's the third principle that we need to understand that will free us to live generously. It's this. We will be held accountable for what we do with what we have. Accountability. Hebrews 4.13, it says it so well. It says, nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes eyes of him to whom we must give an account. You know, what I understand from this verse is that as stewards or managers of God's good, one day we're going to have to stand before God, the creator of the universe, the God who's brought resource to our lives, and we're going to have to give an account, we're going to have to answer for what we did with what he gave us. Listen, on that day, friend, hear me, on that day you don't want to say, well, I just spent it all on me. I went shopping. Bought a new bass boat. Nothing wrong with going shopping. Nothing wrong with a new bass boat. Matter of fact, if you have a new bass boat, I'd love to go fishing with you. <laughs> but what is, what's important for us to understand is that we're stewards, we're managers. And we're managing God's goods. And one day, we're going to stand before Him to give an account. And on that day, this is what we want to hear. Well done, my good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things. I'll put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. That's what we want to hear. Listen, what we do with what we've been given really matters. It matters in our time on this earth, and it matters for all eternity. So we want to to manage well, and part of managing well is is living living generously. So from the text in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, I want to give you really quick, really quick, four lessons on generosity. It flows right out of the scripture we read this morning. The first lesson is this. We reap in relation to what we sow. We reap what we reap according to what we sow. Look back to verse 6, chapter 9, verse 6. Can we read this together? It's on the screen. Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows generously will also reap generously. So if we want to reap a greater harvest, what do we need to do? Some of you got it. I'm going to give you the answer and I'm going to ask you the question again. It's sow more seed. If you want to reap a greater harvest, what do you have to do? Sow more seed. seed. We sow sow the seed to reap the harvest. This is a simple agrarian principle. I mean, if I sow one kernel of corn, I get one stalk of corn. And on that stalk of corn, there's approximately two ears of corn. Each ear of corn has about 200 kernels on the ear of corn. I counted them if you want to know. So I sow one kernel and I get 400 kernels in return. But let's up the ante. Let's say I sow 20 kernels of corn. I get 20 stalks of corn that produce approximately two ears per stalk. That's 40 ears of corn that has 200 kernels on each ear of corn. I get a return of 8,000 kernels. It's, it's, It's a simple principle. God says, you're going to reap, you're going to reap according to what you sow. So again, greater harvest, but we need to sow more 
We need to sow more seed. We need to live our lives in a way that's generous. We have this promise in Proverbs 11, 24, 25. Scripture reads like this. One man gives freely, yet gains even more. He sows freely, and what? He gains even more. Another withholds unduly, but comes to poverty. Notice, a generous man will prosper, and he who refreshes others will himself be refreshed. And then Jesus, this is what Jesus said in Luke chapter 6, verse 38. He says, give and it will be given to you. A good measure pressed down, shaken together, and running over will be poured into your lap. For the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Give. So. And then you get to, you get to reap. And Jesus clearly states that the way to greater blessing in our lives is by being a greater blessor. Interesting. In 1998, we were, as a congregation, we were still on Main Street. We had this piece of property, and I knew that we needed to get from Main Street to here. Uh, I was a young pastor, 31 at the time, and I knew to get from Main Street to here, we were going to have to build a building. We're going to have to have a lot of money. And I was overwhelmed. As a young pastor, I was overwhelmed. God, how's that going to happen? I don't, I don't know anything about building buildings. I don't know anything about raising money. Uh, we needed, again, not thousands. We needed millions. And I was so stressed. And I was so pressed. And I was overwhelmed. One morning, I was wrestling with this in prayer. I was talking with God. God, how are we going, how's this? What do I need to do? What do you want me to do? How are we going to get there? And I was kind of working my way through this. And, and I... I got a word from the Lord, not an audible voice, but the Holy Spirit spoke this so clearly to my spirit. It sticks in my mind even today. This is what the Holy Spirit said to me. Pharaoh, if you sow the seed, I'll bring the harvest. It was that simple. You sow the seed, I'll bring the harvest. Again, I was 31 at that time. And I made the decision at that point that as a congregation, as a church family, that we were going to live generously, that we were going to sow a lot of seed. One of the first opportunities I had shortly after that encounter, I had a meeting with a gentleman by the name of Mike Moses. Maybe some of you know Pastor Mike Moses, great man of God, who's the pastor of Lake Forest Church. But Lake Forest Church had not happened yet because it had not been planted. So Mike is meeting with me and he's kind of sharing the vision with me for Lake Forest Church. He said, we have a, a core group of leaders and we're going to be planning this church in Huntersville. And uh, he kind of told me his vision for it. And I said, well, how can we help? And so he had a list. Here's some things that we need. And one of, the, one of the items was is they needed 150 chairs. And I said, Mike, we're going to buy those chairs for you. And we sowed a seed into Lake Forest Church. If you know anything about Lake Forest Church, it is a dynamic, mission-focused, uh, life-impacting church right here in our community. Still to this day, great things happening through Lake Forest. And we as a church family got to be a part of it. What we sowed a seed in that. And I can't tell you how God has multiplied that back to us. And I could go on and on with the stories. Listen, there's a reason that we have a blessing basket when we give $50 bills away. There's a reason that we do grace feeding. Grace. There's a reason that we raised $42,000 to give away that individuals in the, on the continent of Africa, in the country, the Ivory Coast, would have the scripture, the gospel of John, in their own heart language. This is what I'm convinced of. If you want to reap a greater harvest, you've got to sow more seed. And God's proved that faithful for us here as a church family. Amazing what God's done. And I'm convinced it's His principle. 
lived out in our church family. But we reap in relation to what we sow. Here's a second lesson on generosity. God loves, the scripture says that God loves a cheerful giver. And I believe God loves a cheerful giver because it reveals this. It reveals a transformed heart. It reveals that we own the stuff rather than the stuff owning us. See, if you're not careful in our humanity, in this uh, materialistic society we live in, the stuff that we have can become a ruler in our lives. Rather than us owning it, it can own us. And that it's calling the shots in our lives. And I believe that God loves a cheerful giver because it reveals that there's been a change that's happened in our hearts. And that we're not living for ourselves. We're not driven for ourselves. We're not driven just to gather more so we can keep up with the Joneses, whoever they are. No, but our hearts have been transformed. And we're living, get this, we're living like our Heavenly Father who is generous. God loves a cheerful giver because he's, he's able to look. He says, there's my daughter, there's my son, and they're living just like me. In John 3, 16, we all know the verse, for God so loved the world, what did he do? He gave. He, he was acting in a generous way and how it's impacted and changed their lives. God loves a cheerful giver because it, it, it reveals a, a transformed heart. See, generosity is the natural and appropriate response of people who've been encountered by the grace of God. And just as we have received grace and generosity, so then we give grace and we live generously. Why? Because Christ has transformed our hearts. Now here's a third lesson. On generosity, I believe that God's looking for people that he can flow his goods through. People like you, like me. Churches like Grace Covenant, that he can flow his goods through. Look back to verse 8. In Corinthians chapter 9, verse 8. It says, and God is able to make, get this, all grace abound to you. So that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. God is able. This is what I believe. God is able to get it to you if he can get it through you. See, I believe that God's looking for individuals who will simply be a conduit. A conduit that he can flow his goods through. And that people would experience His grace and His generosity through our lives. As we're simply being a, a conduit, God is able to make all grace abound. You know, if you can think of it like this, we're called to be rivers of God's grace, not reservoirs that simply gather. Rivers that are flowing life to others. You know, just this past week, as, as I was in the Holy Land, I saw again a, a vibrant active illustration of this as we were in the holy land we we toured two different bodies of water the sea of galilee and the northern region of israel and the dead sea in the southern region interesting that these two bodies of water are, are separated by less than 100 miles but if you were to be on the sea of galilee around the sea of galilee what you would discover is it's vibrant and full of life 
all around the Sea of Galilee. It's lush and green, and there's all kinds of uh, agriculture that's happening around the, the Sea of Galilee. If you go down, then down to the Dead Sea, you'll find basically just the opposite. There's no life. Remember, there's a reason that they call the Dead Sea the Dead Sea, because there's no life in it. It's dead. Why? But if you go back up to the Sea of Galilee, the Sea of Galilee receives water from Mount Hermon, the Golan Heights, and the springs that flow down into the Sea of Galilee have been flowing out of the Sea of Galilee to the Jordan River, carrying then life down into the Jordan Valley, a very productive uh, region in the nation of Israel because of life coming out of the Sea of Galilee. It's receiving and it's giving. But if you go to the Dead Sea, the Jordan River runs into the Dead Sea. So it's receiving, but there's no outlet for the Dead Sea. It receives, but it doesn't give. Therefore, it's called the Dead Sea. And I believe for all of us this morning, you can be like the Sea of Galilee, or you can be like the Dead Sea. The choice is really yours. If you become a reservoir and you're just gathering and collecting then you're going to be like the Dead Sea. I'm not saying that you're going to die, but what I am saying is there's no life that's going to come out of you. Why? Because you've made it all about you. The opposite of God's plan for your life. So God's looking, what? He's looking for people that He can flow His goods through. He's able to make all grace abound to you at all times so that you can bring life for others. Here's the final lesson I, I believe we can pick up on generosity is that God prospers you not to raise your standard of living but to raise your standard of giving look back to verse 11 2 Corinthians chapter 9 verse 11 says you will be made rich in every way so that there's a purpose in it there's a purpose that God wants to make you rich. There's a purpose why He wants to bring blessing in and for your life. So that, notice, you can be generous on every occasion. Not on some occasions. Not at Christmas time. But what? On every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. Will result in, in praise to God. You know, every once in a while, it's really healthy for you to ask yourself this question, why has God blessed you with so much? And you may think today, well, Pastor, I, I, don't, I don't have much. And I would just say the very fact that you're living in the Lake Norman community tells me you live better than about 95% of the people in the world today. I know some probably has more than others. That's a given. But for every one of us, every one of us in the room today, we've been richly blessed and we need to consistently ask ourselves the question why why has God blessed me in such a way he's blessed you so that he's made you rich in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion I mean God comes right out and tells us why he gives us more than we need listen it's not so that we can find more ways to spend it it's not so we can indulge ourselves and spoil our children. It's, it's not so we can insulate ourselves from needing God's provision. It's so that we can give generously. If you can think of it like this, 
We're actually, as servants of God, as children of God, as those who've been redeemed by His grace, we're actually um, God's delivery folks. But we, we get to deliver His goods. I mean, that's really the way it works out. I mean, how would you feel? How would you feel if you had something really valuable and you packed it up because you wanted to get it to someone else in another area of, of the United States? So you, you package up this thing that's really valuable and you hand it off to the FedEx man. How would you feel if the FedEx man took that package home, opened it up, and kept it for himself? You would say, whoa, that's not yours. You're just the delivery man. You're just the middle man. It's not yours. And oftentimes God would say that to us. He wants to make us rich in every way so that we can be generous on every occasion. So God prospers us not to raise our standard of living, but to raise our standard of giving. Now, listen, there's nothing wrong with being blessed. If God's blessed you, I encourage you, enjoy it, celebrate it. Give thanks for it. But never forget the why. So that your position to be generous on every occasion. You know, Kyle Eidelman in one of his books wrote these words. It says, all too easily... God's gifts to us end up being His greatest competition. Wow. The stuff ends up competing for our, alle- for, for, for our allegiance. And the stuff oftentimes gets in the way separating us from God. The stuff can actually become an idol. The abundance isn't God's provision for us to live in luxury. It's His provision for us to be a blessing to others. And God entrusts us with money not to build our kingdom, but to build His kingdom. So I encourage you, live in expectation of God's blessing. Because God desires to bless us. I believe that with everything that's within me, I've experienced it in my life. And I experience it in an ongoing basis. God wants to bless you. And when he does, hear me flip the blessing. Understand that he's blessed you so that you then in turn can be a blessing to others. The outrageous joy is not discovered in gathering more or in having more, but choosing to follow the model of God as we live generously, as we take what we have and use it in a way that honors God and blesses others. So I challenge you this morning. To live not for what you can get, but to live for for what you can give. The way to discover the blessed life is by giving. And as you're blessed, look for ways that you can, again, flip the blessing. And in that, in that, this is what you're going to discover. You're going to discover outrageous living. You're going to discover this overflow of joy. As you're living, not for yourself, but as you're living, really aware of the world around you. So may we be conduits that God can flow His generosity through. Amen. Would you pray with me? Lord, I thank you today for the way that you have blessed us. God, what I know, Lord, is as a church family, you have been so good to us. You have blessed us. 
and outrageous ways. And Lord, I would think probably true for everyone in the room today. I know it's true for my family. God, you have blessed us in ways that's beyond imagination. So Lord, first we just say thanks. Thank you, God, for bringing your goodness present in our lives. And Holy Spirit, I ask this morning that you would help us to never forget the one. That you've blessed us not so we can just have more. But you've blessed us so that we can give more. So that we can, Lord, reveal your grace and your generosity to a world around us that's desperate to know you. Spirit, as we're managing the goods of the Father, as we're stewarding not our stuff, but God, your stuff. Holy Spirit, help us to manage it well and help us to live generously. With every head bowed and eye closed, I'm going to ask you a question this morning. And it's really a question of your availability. It's a question of you being a candidate who's simply willing. And here's the question. Are you willing to flip the blessing? Are you willing to live your life in such a way that as God brings his riches, you're going to understand that he's given you that so that you can be generous on every occasion. And again, for me, it's back to this. I'm going to flip the blessing. Flip the blessing. So if you're here today and you just say, hey, I'm willing. God, here I am. I'm a candidate. This week I want to flip the blessing. I'm going to ask you to raise your hand right now. Lord, here we are. Grateful for your goodness. And Lord, we're simply saying, God, we want to flip the blessing. God, we want to take that which you have so graciously and richly brought to our lives and that you're going to bring to our lives this week. And we're just here saying we're going to look for that opportunity to flip the blessing. We're going to look for that opportunity to reveal your grace and your generosity to others. And what I'm confident of is as we live our lives looking for that opportunity, Lord, you're going to flow goods through us that we can be that conduit that simply reveals your grace and your generosity and your love to others. So God, thank you for doing that in our lives this week. And I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. For more information on Grace Covenant Church, our service times, ministry opportunities, directions, and more, visit us at gracecovenant.org.